this, isn't this uh, choir wonderful? Amen. This music, the worship team. Amen. I am just so thankful that so many have put so much into this morning. And uh, I tell you, our efforts uh, for something like this is, is quite large, but I appreciate so much Spence and, and the leadership of this worship team and the creative arts and the sound guys. There's just been so much effort put into this morning so that we could come here and worship in spirit and truth and just celebrate our risen Savior. Can we give them a hand this morning? Amen. Thank you, choir, for all that you have done and appreciate you being here. I tell you, Easter is a, is a time where we celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to be talking about this morning is the reality that that is one of the most significant events that has ever taken place in our world history. And so I'm excited about the message this morning. I'm excited about continuing in worship through the reading and preaching of God's Word. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for this day, and we thank you, Father, for your presence in our life, your presence in this place today. God, the reality that we, uh, Lord, have gathered in this place to celebrate Jesus. And Lord, there is no name above the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for, uh, for every great opportunity that we have to just celebrate who you are together, collectively, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that today as we dive into your word, that you would, God, you would just bless this time together, that you would speak deeply into our hearts and our minds, and, and Lord, stir our very souls as we, God, just seek to worship you through the reading and the preaching of your word. I pray, Father, that, that we would just be reminded of how glorious and how beautiful you are. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for every opportunity you give us like this together. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, almost on a, a daily basis, I have the opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. You know, I guess it comes with the territory, being a pastor and all, you know, you just have a, an opportunity just every day to talk to somebody about Jesus. That seems to be the topic of our conversation and I tell you, I love it. I love talking about Jesus because, as I've said already, there is no name greater than the name of Jesus. Amen? There is no one who is greater. And, and, and I love talking about Jesus. But one of the things I've come to realize as I talk about Jesus and we have conversation about Jesus with, with so many different people is that one of the things that we typically do as believers in Christ Jesus is underestimate the power of Christ. It just seems that we do that. All of us do it, including myself. We, we all seem to just underestimate the power of Christ Jesus. We talk about Jesus being our Savior, the fact that he, he conquered death at the cross. He conquered uh, death and sin at the cross, and, and He is our Savior. And yet we live our life so often knowing that He has set us free, living our life in bondage. We talk about the debt that He has paid, and yet oftentimes we live a life of guilt. So often we talk about the victory that we have in Christ Jesus, and yet many times we live out the day in defeat. And so oftentimes as believers in Christ Jesus, we, we really, we know who Jesus is. We know that he is our savior. We know that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but we, we so often in our conversations just really underestimate the power of Christ Jesus. And so this morning, I'm excited about the message because I want to talk about Jesus this morning. Go figure, right? I want to talk about Jesus, but I want to talk about the power of Jesus. I was thinking about 
maybe some of the reasons why we underestimate the power. And one of the things that I, I thought about was maybe because we grew up reading the children's books and we saw the images of, of this guy in a long white robe with sandals and wavy, flowy hair, and, and he's surrounded by children all the time. And, you know, or maybe he's out in a pasture somewhere with the sheep. And so you know, our image of Jesus may be a little bit different than what we really need to understand Jesus to be because he is an all-powerful God. He is an all-powerful Savior. And he rose from the grave victorious over death and sin. Amen? And that's why we gather here this morning. I want to show you something before we dive into the Word this morning, this, the, the text this morning that we're going to be looking at. But, in, but, but we look here in, in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 16, and we see this. For by him, meaning Jesus, for by him... All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus, all-powerful. Everything created by Jesus. Do you realize that when Jesus spoke of himself, Typically, it was spe- he was speaking of his power and of his glory. When Jesus referred to himself, he was most of the time speaking of his power, his abilities, and his glory. And so why is it that we, as believers or followers of Christ Jesus, would ever underestimate the power of Christ? You know, on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and it's in the the resurrection of Jesus that we see this amazing power, the power to overcome death, the power to overcome and have victory over sin. And so we see that Jesus is powerful, and we want to talk about him this morning as we reflect on the, 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 the reality that he is resurrected from the grave. My friends, Easter is a time when we celebrate the power of Jesus. We celebrate the resurrection from the grave. I want to show you one last thing before, or one more verse before we dive into the text today. But in Revelation 1 17 and 18, we see these words Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. How many of you will celebrate with me today that Jesus is alive? Amen. <laughs> That Jesus Christ is alive. We celebrate a risen Savior, and we celebrate a a God who is among us today. So I'm so excited about this message. The the message is titled, One Day That Changed It All. One Day That Changed It All. And the reality is, is when we think about this global event that took place so many years ago, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that which we celebrate on Easter, we come to realize when we study this that... when we study the resurrection, that the resurrection was the one day in in our world's history that really just changed everything. It absolutely changed everything. And so this morning, I want to dive into 1 Corinthians. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20, or at least the first part of verse 20 there. You know, most of us have had some understanding of of the reality that Christ died on the cross. Most of us understand that. Most of us know that that the death of Christ, the death of Jesus was not just some unfortunate accident, but we come to realize that the death of Jesus 
was actually something that was orchestrated before we ever could imagine humanity being existed in existence. It was not an accident. It was God's plan. And we come to understand that Jesus knew that, that there was a time that he would depart from his disciples as he was readying himself to ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father. And so we understand the, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ to some level, to some understanding. We knew that Jesus was going back to his Father. But what we also must know is that the resurrection was one of the most significant events that the world has ever seen. This morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 12, the Word of God says this, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Let me just stop there for a moment. You know, one of the things that, that the Apostle Paul is addressing is, is the reality that some of the Corinthians, some of the believers there, some of the people within the church were doubting bodily resurrection. They, they were really having a hard time wrapping their minds around it. And what we see in chapter 15 is Paul starts off the chapter by, by giving the evidences. He's, he's, he's talking about the authority of God's Word. He, he gives the evidences of, of the resurrection, the bodily resurrection. And then we get to this verse here. And he says this to the Corinthian church. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, then how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? And then he says this, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. How many of you celebrate that with me this morning? But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. You know, 20 years or so ago when, 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 when God placed me on this path to ministry, you know, I, I remember having discussions about the resurrection. And the question of the day seemed to always be, do you believe in the resurrection or not? You know, if you believed in the resurrection, then, then, then I'll tell you, you were, you were floored, you were, you, were, you were moved, your soul was stirred when you come to realize the, the, the under, and, and, and understand exactly what the resurrection was and what it would mean for us as believers and followers of Christ Jesus. It was one of those things that just really just slammed us to the floor. It was one of those, those truths about Christianity that was just, I, I tell you, it was life-changing. If you didn't believe in the resurrection, then you just simply didn't believe. But back then, it seemed to be that the question was, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ true? Did it really happen? Today, it seems as though the question has changed. The question today is not so much, did the resurrection take place? The question today seems to be in our culture today, so what? What if it did happen? 
What has that got to do with me? Why do I care? What does it matter? Well, let me just say this, my friends, that it matters greatly whether or not we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is Christianity is built upon this truth. And this is the, po the point that Paul is making in this passage, that there are so many things that wouldn't be if there was no resurrection. There are so many things that would be totally different if there was no resurrection. And this is the argument that he is making as we look into this passage. I love what Tim Keller once said. He wrote a book called The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism. And in this book, he wrote these words, and I, and I love this. He says, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like Jesus' teachings, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Everything hangs on this truth. Everything hangs on this reality that Jesus rose from the grave. And so we want to look at that this morning. I want to real quickly, real quickly run through this text. Because what we see as we look into this text is we see this, this reality that what Paul is doing is he's saying, he said, I want to point out some things that must be true if the resurrection didn't take place. If the resurrection didn't happen, then these things must be. These things must exist. And so we, we begin to see these as he spells them out. There's, there's actually about seven things that he points out here this morning, and I want to point these out to us as well. Number one, he says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. One of the things that the, the Corinthians were sort of debating, I guess, is the bodily resurrection of Christ. And so they were, they were sort of denying the, the reality that, that God can raise people from the dead. And, and one of the things that Paul says, he, he says to the Corinthian church, do you hear what you're saying? Do you understand that, that you're saying that, that God can't raise people from the dead? Then you're, you're basically going against the resurrection of Christ, that which you have said you already believe. And so one of the points that Paul points out, he says, if there's no resurrection, if, if God can't raise people from the dead, if there's no resurrection, then not even Christ has been raised. Paul says this. He says this to really challenge their thinking of the resurrection, to challenge their thinking of, of, the, of this, this doubt that they had over bodily resurrection. And so that's the first thing that Paul points out. The second thing he does is he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Everything that we as the church are communicating to the world about Jesus Christ, all of that is in vain because what we're preaching is Christ crucified. We are preaching Christ buried. We are preaching Christ rose from the grave. And it's through this resurrection that our sins have been forgiven. We're preaching the resurrection of Christ Jesus, that he rose from the grave. And in his resurrection, he has had victory over death and sin. Amen. And so everything that we are preaching as the church, everything that we are preaching as preachers of the gospel, none of it would matter if there was no resurrection. What would be the point of preaching? What would we even be preaching? Oh, you can have hope. Hope in what? I don't know. Something. Pick something. But the reality is, Paul says, listen, 
if there is no resurrection, if there's no resurrection, then our preaching is in vain. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, the great difficulty is to get modern audiences to realize that you are preaching Christianity solely and simply because you happen to think it's true. That is so true. I don't stand here before you today preaching the resurrection and have doubts about it. I don't stand here today preaching the resurrection and saying, yeah, I get that some people don't believe in the resurrection. I'm not sure where I stand. I want you to know today that I believe in the resurrection of Christ. And actually, Christianity wouldn't exist without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It matters. It matters. The question today can't be, so what? Well, so it matters. And so Paul is making this argument that that we've got to understand that the reality is that there are so many things that would be different if the resurrection never took place. Number three, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is in vain. What would our faith be based upon if there was no resurrection? Well, I have faith in Jesus Christ. Why? He's just a dead man in a tomb. How is he different than your best friend? Or your mom or your daddy? How is he different? If all he is is a dead man in the tomb, then our faith is in vain. Because you see, here's what we say. We say we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. It's not the man Jesus. It's not the humanity of Jesus. It's not the historical Jesus that we are celebrating. It is the deity of Jesus. The fact that he is fully man and he is fully God. We are celebrating the reality that when he rose from the grave, he established his sovereignty over the universe. That is what we are preaching, and that is what we are believing as followers in Christ Jesus. And so here, Paul says, man, there's just going to be so many things that are going to be different. So many things are going to be different if Jesus wasn't raised from the grave. Number four, you know, if Christ hasn't been raised from the grave, then we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we have testified. In other words, he says this. He says, you know what? Everything that we have said has all been a lie if Jesus didn't raise from the, if he didn't, if he wasn't resurrected from the grave. Everything would be a lie. We are misrepresenting God. You see, Paul wants them to understand the significance of the resurrection. If you're going to doubt the resurrection, the bodily resurrection that, that God is capable of raising from the dead, you got to throw Jesus out of the picture. And if you throw Jesus out of the picture, then what do you have left? We would be misrepresenting God. Number five, if Christ has not been raised from the grave, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. This is a biggie. In other words, what Paul is doing is he's moving from you know, right on down the line, he's listing all of these things that, that, that must be if, if Christ didn't resurrect from the grave. And so here's what we see. He says, you know, all these things I've said, those things are pretty big deals. But, but the reality is we are proclaiming, as followers of Christ Jesus, we are proclaiming that our sins have been forgiven. That our sins have been forgiven, that we have been washed clean as snow, that we have been made pure by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if the resurrection is not true, then guess what? Our sins aren't forgiven. And guess what? That means eternally separated from God forever. 
So Paul seems to be pleading with the Corinthians. Do you understand what you're saying when you deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You can't go around saying my sins are forgiven and not believe in the resurrection of Christ. Because all of Christianity, all of your faith, all of everything that we have come to know about Christianity is futile. It doesn't mean anything. So Paul says, even our sins, even our sins are still a part of our life. Number six, if there's no resurrection, he says here, In verse 18, if there's no resurrection, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. In other words, what Paul is saying here is he says, all those who have passed away before us, all those that, those loved ones, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, all those people who who have died, if there is no resurrection, then you know what? They're just dead. That's all. There's just, they're just dead. You know, all the years that I've gone to funerals and I've preached funerals and been at funerals and mourned with families and, you know, the, funerals are some of the, the hardest times of our life, aren't they? They're some of the most difficult times of our life because we're typically burying someone that we love. And you know, one of the common denominators at funerals is always the hope that we will see them again. Amen? There's always this hope that we will see them again. And if they are believers in Jesus Christ, one of the things that we celebrate is the reality that they are in heaven. And we speak of heaven and we talk about one day being with them, being reunited with, with, with our family and our friends. But what Paul says here in verse 18, he says, listen, if there's no resurrection, your families are nowhere but still in the grave. There's no hope. Outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's no hope for anything but the grave. And so Paul is making this this truth known that the resurrection is hugely important. It matters whether or not we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It matters because all of Christianity hinges upon the reality of the resurrection. And then finally, number seven, what Paul says here, he says, if Christ has not been raised, then we of all people are the most to be pitied. In other words, he says, we're a pitiful bunch if Jesus wasn't raised from the grave because everything that we believed all of our life was untrue. And everything that we believed when the world told us that it was silly really was. And he says, most of all, that we are the most pitiful bunch of people if the resurrection didn't take place. And so the point that Paul is making here is he's trying to get across the reality that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is is the most significant thing that we could understand about the gospel. That Jesus, he came to this earth And he walked among man. He walked on this earth sinless so that he could go to the cross, the perfect lamb. He could go to the cross and when his blood was spilled, it mattered. It meant something because it atoned for our sins. 
It made atonement for our sins. Our debt was being paid in his death on the cross. And he was taken down off that cross and he was placed in a, buried, a borrowed tomb. And it's in that cross that a, a great stone was rolled across and guards were placed so that no one could come and take the body. No one could do anything with Jesus. They wanted him left alone. They wanted him to be a man who, who existed and who decayed in a tomb. But in three days, in three days, in three days, Christ rose from the grave. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that day, that one day, it changed everything. Because you see, Jesus proved who He had been saying He was all along. You see, Jesus proved that He was not just a man, but He was God. Jesus established His sovereignty over all the universe when He rose from the grave. And He established Himself as being capable of saving us from our sin, of saving us from eternal death. He established the reality of who He is, Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the God of this universe. And so we see this being played out. And here's what I, here's how we know. Here's how we know that, that Paul doesn't believe any of this stuff that he says here. He's given these what ifs, if you will. But we know that he doesn't believe this. We know that he believes that Christ was raised from the dead because the verses prior to this what Paul is doing is he's given argument for the resurrection. You see, Paul uses authority to prove his point about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he turns to the, the Word of God, when he points to the authority of the Word of God, he points to the authority of those who walk with Christ. He points to the authority to prove that Jesus rose from the grave. But one of the greatest things that Paul used in these verses was also to point to the evidences that the resurrection really did take place. We see in verses in this scripture, like in verses 5 through, through 9, where Paul, he, he gives the evidences, the evidences, the proof of the resurrection. He says in verse 5, he says, and, and, that, and, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still all alive. You know what's really remarkable about this, this passage that Paul's uh, saying here? He says most of these 500 are still alive. Many scholars believe that there was as many as 300 people who personally ex experienced and saw and witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ when this letter was written. You know what that means? There were hundreds of people who could have read this letter and said, Paul, you got it wrong. Paul, you got it wrong. This isn't one man who's, pro, who's proclaiming the resurrection of Christ. There were literally hundreds of witnesses who any day in this court system would stand up. If you have 300 witnesses in your favor in any court in America today, you're going to win your case. I can promise you that. And what Paul says here, he says, this is what happened. And that gave the opportunity to hundreds of people to say, no, it didn't happen like that. But none of them come forward because they all saw it. The evidences that Paul is presenting of the resurrection. He says 500 brothers at one time saw Jesus, most of whom are still alive. 
though some have fallen asleep, some have passed away. And then he says in verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all, the, all of the apostles. And last of all, as to the one who ultimately was born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. The apostle Paul saying, listen, there is great authority speaking of the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is the evidence that we have that speaks to the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he also says here in this, these first couple of verses, he says, and even reason, logic, if you will, leads us to believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, it's been said that if we cannot believe the resurrection of Christ, then we probably don't need to believe anything that happened in ancient history. If we don't believe in the resurrection of Christ, then we probably don't need to believe anything else that we have come to know about the history of ancient civilization. Why? Because the resurrection was one of the things that stood the test of fire. There were so many people that confirmed the resurrection even more than any other historical event of Jesus' day. The evidence speaks to the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite Janetta to come on up and begin to play. We'll close out the service here this morning. But you know, I want, to, I want to say that as believers in Christ Jesus, as followers of Christ Jesus, we stand here today confident of the truth that Jesus is alive. How many of you would agree with me on that? Amen? We stand here in confidence that Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, what we come to understand is that He sits on the right hand of the Father today that He is alive and well, and that He rules this universe, that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the firstborn of the dead. And we've come to believe that if Jesus is alive, then our preaching is not in vain. Amen? Our preaching, the truth that we tell, we are truth tellers to the world as we go out and proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ, letting the world know that Jesus is alive. Our faith is not in vain. Our faith is not in vain. What we have come to believe is true. We have been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And let me just say this this morning, our faith is real. Our faith is real. We believe in a living God. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. There is nothing that is going to distract us from that at all. Our preaching is not in vain. Our faith is not in vain. And here's the beautiful truth that we've been singing about, we've been telling about this morning. Our sins are forgiven because Jesus is alive. Amen? Our sins are forgiven because Jesus is alive. We've been made clean. We've been washed clean. We've been saved by grace, by the very blood of Jesus. And our sins are forgiven because Jesus is alive. We look into the gospel message and we see that all those who have passed on before us, they are waiting for us in heaven. In fact, today, those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, when they pass from this earth, they are standing in heaven eternally, worshiping the Lord Jesus, singing, holy, holy, holy is His name. 
What a beautiful Savior we have in Jesus Christ. What a beautiful God. One who would look upon our lives and grant to us that which we do not deserve. That we would be saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Let us never, church, let us never, faith family, underestimate the power of Jesus Christ in our life. Let us never underestimate that. I want to ask you a question here this morning. If Jesus is raised from the grave, then what could you possibly be facing in this life that Jesus couldn't handle? You see, Jesus is all-powerful. We don't have to live our life guilty over sin when the truth of God's Word says that we have been made clean. How? By the blood of Christ. By not just His death on the cross, not just by His burial, but through His resurrection from the grave. He defeated sin. And he defeated death. There is nothing that we are facing in this world that is greater than the Savior. There is nothing that we face in this world that's greater than the name of Jesus. Amen? In just a moment, our band's going to come up here and we're going to wrap up this service. And what a beautiful day it's been so far. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're here today and you want to spend some time in prayer, that this altar is open. It is a wonderful place of prayer as we come and fall on our face before God and just lift up our requests. Let them be made known to Him. In the spirit of truth, we worship God at the altar through prayer. Our pastors will be down front. If you want to speak to one of us during this last song, you are more than welcome to come and speak to one of our pastors. If you're struggling with something here today and you want to believe with all your heart that Jesus is capable that Jesus is sufficient for your life. We are here to speak with you and help answer any questions that you may have. And finally, after the service is over, we will be right here in this room. We call this the connection room. If you have any questions, we are still here to do business. We are still here to do ministry. We are still here for you. And so in this last few moments, as the band comes and sings, if your heart's desire is to stand and worship the King of all kings, then you do so. If you need to speak to someone, we're here. If you want to come and pray, you are more than welcome. We worship a living God, and He is with us here today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we thank You for this time together. We thank You, Father, for the truth of Your Word and how it so richly speaks into our life. As believers in Jesus Christ, Lord, we recognize Your presence. We recognize, Father, that we can't do without it. And Father, I pray for each and every person that's here today, thankful that we have chosen to be here in this place on a, on a rainy day to celebrate the resurrection of our living God. And so, Father, I pray that today, Lord, as we wrap up this service through song, through worship, Father, I pray that we would be responsive. That God, whatever, whatever our greatest act of worship might look like this morning, 
Father, I pray that we would just worship you in spirit and truth. Father, we love you and we praise you. We adore you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.